Welcome, carbon-based and synthetic life forms, to the Nerdist Podcast number 119. This friggin' country is going to be lousy with Nerdist Podcast lives. We're doing a ton of them. Uh, well, four for now, but that's a ton compared to last year when we did zero. Uh, September 22nd, we're going to be at the Iron Horse Music Hall in Northampton, Massachusetts. Uh, then, October 14th, the Nerdist Podcast live at the Gramercy Theater in New York. Then on October 22nd, Nerdist Podcast live at the Aladdin Theater in Portland. And then, November 6th, we're going to be at the 930 Club in D.C. So, information for all of that stuff is uh, at Nerdist.com. Also, the Nerdist Podcast in television form is going to be airing on BBC America September 24th at 10, 9 central in the p.m., uh, please watch that, because then maybe we'll get to do more. If you don't, I won't hold it against you, because it's nice they're even listening to this. So, I'm not trying to get fucking greedy. I really appreciate the support that you've uh, given the podcast thus far. And if you're new to the Nerds Podcast, I welcome you with open, non-creepy arms. This particular episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Hover.com. Hover's all about making domain registration easy. Uh, over the years, you probably tried to register a domain. Uh, I weirdly late at night like to register weird ones uh, i own dude my nipples are huge.com i don't know why i'm never going to do anything with it anyway it's fun to register domains <laughs> but sometimes when you try to register domains at sites it's like they try to sell you a million other services and hover does not do that at all it's just about registering domains they make it super easy it's simple their ui is great um, they have a no-hold policy for customer service calls Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern. It's difficult to find on other domain registration services. You can set up email addresses, forward email addresses, redirect, create URL extension, set privacy controls, all with just a few clicks. Um, Hover has everything you need if you want to register domains. So please go to Hover.com, that's H-O-V-E-R.com, and enter the promo code NERDIST. This Nerds Podcast is also brought to you by GoToMeeting, which, if you've been listening to me blab about it for the last few weeks, is amazing web conferencing software. Um, people who use the service say it's simple, smart, dynamic. People are super happy that they switched over. Just really smart, simple, intuitive controls that allow you to host your first meeting right away. You can schedule in advance. You can schedule on the fly. Everyone sees your desktop on their screen. You can collaborate on files and documents in real time. Yes, it is available for Mac and PC. So sign up today for a free 30-day trial of GoToMeeting. Hold all the meetings you want for one low flat rate. You get phone and voice over IP conferencing service as well for free. So visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and enter the promo code Nerdist. And now the Nerdist podcast number 119 with a dude who not only is amazing to watch on screen, but he's just a guy you just like hanging out with. It's Brian Cranston. A good dude. I want him to be my uncle. You know what? Fuck it. Nerdist podcast number 119 with Uncle Brian Cranston. There, I just made it happen. It's legally binding. Please don't send me Brian Cranston. Now entering Nerdist.com Uh, all right, yeah, everyone sounds everyone sounds good. I just start recording. There's no real official intro. Why not? Matt will come in with the waters. Then we'll, we'll do a whole thing about it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look at you with your fucking waters, <laughs> you dumb jerk. Knock it out of your hand. Knock it out of his hand. <laughs> yeah. Watch him cry. I knew a writer guy that did that all the time. Where, like, he would have a uh, writer's assistant like bring him lunch, and then he would just he would pay for the lunch and everything, but he would just knock it out of the guy's hand. Are yeah. you shitting me? Yeah. And then, like, he wouldn't make him pick it. He was like, oh, oh what are you doing? He's all, just get out of here. 
Just treated him like shit. For I didn't think people actually did that. I got to start doing that. Yeah, you got to. That's you, awesome. You really are at the place, Brian Cranston, where you can start <laughs> knocking shit out of people's hands, and they'll be like, well, it's Brian Cranston. He can do that now. Yeah. So I'm, what, what's the guy's name who went to get the water? Matt. 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 So yeah. why don't I just start now? Would you wanna, do you want to so. try he now? When in, he, when he, he offers back? it to me, and I'll just slap it, it out of his hand. Slap it out of his hand. All right. So, yes, that's going to happen. And so you guys, but you guys have to just, like, go on, like, yeah, what? Okay. It's not, yeah. Don't even recognize it, right? All right. It's like, all right, that's going to be hard. Pick, pick it up, Matt. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So should we be mid-conversation <laughs> when he gets in? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By yeah. the way, I always do that with my best friend, Mike Furman, who's the nicest guy in the world. And sometimes if he, like, has a bag of chips in his hand, I just knock him out of his hand because he's so sweet he doesn't deserve it. There's yeah. something <laughs> that's what I, there's that's something why I like so making, satisfying. That's why I like making fun of Matt. It's just like the guy is the nicest guy in the world, but like I like making him feel like but shit. Furman laughs do. so hard when I do it because yeah, yeah, yeah. he, just, he just knows that well, he doesn't What is he supposed do to do, Chris? Cry? Yeah, I want to see him cry. Yeah. I want to see him cry. Will he bit. cry? What do you think his reaction will be when I just... Oh, here he goes. So anyway, I mean, that's... Yeah. So it's going well. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's really cool, good. man. Well, well into really our... Joan Rivers' people are swarming. I couldn't get water. <laughs> Joan Rivers' people are swarming. What and a you, locust. That's, you can't kick their ass? Joan <laughs> Rivers' people? Seriously. Handbags. Joan Rivers is like a ceramic vase. Like, you could just knock her over and well, she... Come on. Like, she's plastic. I know. I can't. Oh, you're She'll right. Get right back up. You're right. She just reform like T like T one thousand liquid metal. Ow, uh, Brian Cranston, thank you for coming on the podcast. Glad to it's, be here. It's so thank exciting. you. I've so I, you know I I had I was surprised that you remembered meeting me. I met you a couple times because I was friends with Alan Dave Higgins when you guys were doing Malcolm. Right. And then I saw you at the Conan show and. I couldn't, you were like, hey, we've met at the thing. And I'm like, how do you remember that? You're busy. Well, I remember you from before Malcolm. Yeah. I was doing a, a, a TV series called Louie Show. Yes. And you were banging some chick on that show. Yeah. I don't, yeah. uh, I mean. Yeah. Way to so go, Big you were, you were hanging <laughs> around. I think it was Betty White. I'm not it, sure. It was. It nice. might have been. It was. I'm a cotton muncher. But that's back when she was hot, you know, in her 60s. <laughs> she was. <laughs> that's so true. Like, literally 30 years ago, Betty White was still an elderly woman. Like, that's yeah, yeah. So that's weird. the weirdest thing about, like, how long, like, it's like how long you're, you can be old. It's like, you know, guys live to 100. It's like, man, 40 years ago, you were still considered old. 40 years ago. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm so old that Betty White is actually just a cougar to me. <laughs> you didn't give me any space to go, how old are you? What do you think it was? I, I know more than one person who had a sexual fascination with the Golden Girls TV show, which I think was a funny show. It was a funny show. But, but what do you think it was about those women that... I don't. I don't know. I don't have that. I didn't have it either. I don't, I don't know think anyone going. did. That's what made. I think it so maybe you're alone on this. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no. My friend Joe Wagner. You know Joe Wagner, yeah, comedian yeah, yeah. Joe well, Wagner. He's, uh... But he's out of his mind. So, there's, <laughs> yeah. so then we did, and then I saw you again on Conan. And what yeah. I didn't realize was you handed me a grape, and I didn't realize the grapes had been on in your pants, uh, in the vicinity of your dong. Um, but I still not wasn't... even in the vicinity. <laughs> oh, Jesus, <laughs> I see my assumption. <laughs> so, so to explain this, my you know it's weird. So, so what got out on the internet was that uh, my co-star Anna Gunn said, "Well, from time to time, Brian feels like putting fruit down in his in his pants." She said it as a joke. 
So now it gets out there. So I understand you like putting fruit in your pants. And, I, and everybody pre-interviews on any show gets that from the producer. They yeah. read whatever they read uh, on, the, on the internet. I went, really? What? And I and so well, Conan thought that was kind of funny. I said, "Well, okay, we'll we'll make it. We'll make something." And I didn't tell him what I was going to do. I took a in our dressing rooms. There were nice, you know, welcome baskets and 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 an automobile. I'm sure you got one too. <laughs> um, oh, I didn't. Uh, uh, you mean oh. like a Hot Wheels? Like a Hot Wheels? Stock and Apple. No. It was just all well, laid yeah, out there. Yeah, the Hot Wheels. Oh. That's all it was. Oh, good. That's okay. all it was. Yeah. Cars are for A block, buddy. <laughs> yeah, Brian, you and I are about the same place in our careers. <laughs> so uh, I, not at all. I busted off a little thing of a little bunch of grapes and I literally stuck them down my pants so that when we came out and he said, so I understand you like, you you put fruit down your pants. I go, I don't know where this comes from. It's internet fodder. And my co-star said this one time, I don't know, you you know, she was just joking. I'm, uh, you know, there's nothing down. And I started reaching down my pants and say, there is absolutely no, oh, wait a minute. Whoa, what is, oh, well, look at that. And I pull out these grapes and I got a laugh and I offered Conan one. He said, ah, no. And I offered Andy Richter one. He goes, yeah, sure, why not? Nice. And he, nice. And he took one and he ate it. So then Andy. some were all over. So when you came out, I was under the assumption that you had seen the feed. No, they had me, like, when you were out, they had me, like, backstage and they were miking me up. And so I didn't, I didn't get to okay. see exactly what you were doing. Ah. It's a good thing then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm like, thanks for the great Brian Cranston munch munch, and, and everyone kind of went. The crowd goes. <laughs> so I think my reaction was was. What did I just eat? Yeah. <laughs> what did I just? I just had a. I just had a weird Brian Cranston dick grape that yeah. I wasn't aware of. Yeah. Ah, yes, Brian. That Cranston's could have been one of mine. <laughs> Brian Cranston. Oh, oh Brian Cranston's dick just grapes. Like, that'll be your Newman's own. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Cranston's dick grapes. And a percentage goes to charity. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Some sort of charity. Yeah. It'll be weird when he makes Cranston's own dick grapes. <laughs> Thousand Island dressing. Well, yeah, yeah. Just, I'll tell you, dick grapes. Yeah. Just, just because of who our audience is, someone's going to make make the graphical representation of that. Yeah, yeah. So just do it I, as a Newman zone. Brian yeah. Cranston's dick grapes. Brian Cranston's yeah. dick grapes available in your grocer's freezer. Uh, so you have had an <laughs> so, insane... You can't breathe <laughs> grapes. What? Nice segue. Yeah, into yeah. Whatever. I, I also like the idea that like, on my um, own air. Brian Cranston's dick grapes uh, jelly that comes out in a squirtable <laughs> bottle. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a phallus. Yeah, it's, it's a very phallic shape. Yeah. And yeah. you have to like work yeah. the juice yeah. out of and the... And op- you take off the top and there's just this helmet right <laughs> under, with, with one little <laughs> squeezed up. Yeah. And Why do you keep on getting it? No, I know. It's really inconvenient, but it's so good when you get it. And it's just like... charity. It's just you know, like a picture of a soccer mom on the back just sucking the grape juice out and spinning it onto her <laughs> kid's toast. On her face. Spinning it onto her kid's toast. Yeah, she's a mom, so she's not going to swallow it. Yeah. Oh, oh that's, that's what, what mistresses happens. are for. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> that's the mother of my kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not going to swallow that. <laughs> they kiss my children. First of all, congratulations on... Uh, on <laughs> one of the best shows on television, yeah. probably the best show on television, Breaking Bad. Thanks. That's insane, man. You have like two insane, not only hit shows, but critically acclaimed hit shows back to back. Yeah. How, I mean, you've been, how long have you been an actor? 32 years. Holy shit. Yeah. So how long did it take you to start to feel like, okay, this is finally paying off? When I, uh, by the time I was 24, 24 years old from that point on I, I never had another job other than acting wow and uh, I, it was when I was hired to do a, a soap opera back in New York so I was they actually paid for me to move from Los Angeles to New York 
and paid me a bunch of money to do this. And I thought, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> and there was something, there was something that just kind of clicks that you actually go, no, I deserve this. I I've worked hard and I'm ready for this mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm going to grab it and not let go. And so from that point on, for some reason that worked. Well, I, I don't know if everyone, I, I don't know if everyone is willing to admit that to themselves sometimes. Like I, people get so superstitious in this business and we're so, we're so insecure. Did you, did you ever feel any of that? Or do you, are no, you... no, because you know, I, when I decided to become an actor all those years ago, I was absolutely willing to, if it meant uh, sharing a, a, an apartment with a, another buddy for the rest of my life, then that's what it was going to be. I didn't have any designs or any, um, uh, I didn't have a, a, an outcome that had to be met. Mm -hmm. So whatever happened, happened. If you get a job as an actor, I thought that if you could make your living as an actor, what a what a great gift. And I still feel that way. Yeah. I, and, it, and it's amazing that now... I mean, when, when you started, I guess, 32 years ago, uh, now there's so much... I mean, a show like Breaking Bad, you just couldn't do shows like that before no. uh, on television. And it was so... There was only there were only so many shows and only so many channels. And now there's this landscape of amazing television yeah. being made. It was the three big networks. And then later on, Fox joined in. Mm -hmm. But the whole television and movie uh, business model was completely different than what we see now. Yeah. Was there ever a show that you jumped on where you thought, oh, my God, here we go. This is going to be the one. And then almost instantly, just as it happens in the business. Again, I think it's because I never had any, I wasn't looking down the Didn't road. Matter. It was, I'm working on this show. And, and I, I uh, you know, subscribe to that belief that um, you can only focus on what you can control and let everything else go. That is crazy zen of you. We uh, we say this thing on the podcast where we tell people to enjoy their burrito, which basically means live in the present, like don't live in the past or the future. And I think if more people could do what you're saying, there'd be a lot, yeah. <laughs> we'd be a lot happier. There'd be a lot less burnouts in Hollywood. Yeah, that's for sure. People yeah. that can just enjoy the process. It's amazing that you to... say that. Enjoy your burrito because burrito in Spanish does mean embrace. Does it really? <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> I thought tiny it was donkey. just like a tiny donkey. <laughs> 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 embrace, embrace. We should start saying "embrace the tiny donkey" on the yeah, show. Yeah. Embrace the tiny donkey and have the dick grapes with you. <laughs> oh, Brian Cranston's dick grapes. <laughs> Brian Cranston's dick grapes. I mean, he really. I mean, as far as dick grape technology, <laughs> Brian Cranston's dick grape bring you chipotle salsa. <laughs> chipotle, grapes, sweet sauce. Chipotle. So it seems like I, I assume that whenever you're on a set, it's probably a lot of fun, and there's no. It just I. I can't imagine. I hear stories about people like, "Oh, this person wouldn't come out of their trailer because of that person." And it's yeah. like, "What? Why? This is crazy that we get to do this. Why does everyone have to be douchebags about it? Like, exactly why not right. just? Why not just? It should be fun." Chris, actors are better than people. <laughs> I, was, I thought <laughs> we that's totally better than, than real people. <laughs> we learned anything. Um, it, you know, someone was asking me, "No, who are the real jackasses that you've worked with over the years?" And I started thinking about it, and I can't count on one hand. There's like a two or three yeah. that I would not care to work with again because of their behavior. And then there's a couple people who I would not work again with again because of how they work. Mm -hmm. But they happen to be nice people. Yeah. You could just say Frankie Muniz. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There it is. Oh, it's I didn't know if we could or not. <laughs> he doesn't listen no, to this. He's, he's retired. He's a great kid. He's, he's actually working again, and he's, he's 
driving cars and he's drumming. Here's a guy who is a professional he's actor. Life. He's living. He, life. He's living yeah, life, baby. He's life. he's on a he's on, in a band that tours and is actually they they've got a, a, a CD coming out very soon. That's supposed to be great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then also he's uh, he he drives cars for a living. Yeah. Race cars. Wow, I don't think I knew that. He got no, like, yeah. like way into cars even before he could legally drive. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. That's got to be exactly. such a head trip when you're a kid and all of a sudden you you just go from kid to instantly famous and yeah. hit show. I mean, I don't even know how does how does a kid even process that? Do, do, how, how did how did does he have? How do you buy do race cars. That's what you do. You just buy yeah. race yeah, cars. Yeah. That's what you do. <laughs> I think you, and if you're not pleased with your your mother and father and how they're dealing with your success, you just buy new ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. parents. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, Let's, you work for me. Central casting. Let's go. Let's see some people. I need to see more. I'm just Mom not getting. Dad, it. You, you know who's a good dad? All the money I made into Brian Cranston's dick grace. What's yeah. wrong with you? It's gonna be a hit. <laughs> Out of the squeezable tube. You know, I think. I think what we could do is just on a label somewhere in the background of a scene of Breaking Bad, just just dick grapes, just somewhere in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd have to zoom in to see it. It wouldn't affect the scene. Do you think Vince Gilligan would be okay with that? We have to do we have to sneak it in so if i can get that object if i can get that object i'll sneak it in a scene <laughs> next season next season it's be real subtle so you just making a sandwich not even yeah, referring just to it like a, or else pick up the 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 grape juice that you know the grape jelly and just, yeah, yeah. just work, it, on my work, sandwich, work it all over just to put the, it down work it all over two croissants that are set right next to each other <laughs> just shoot them, all, shoot them all over i i often get this uh, on twitter from people Hey, you and Aaron Paul look like brothers. Do you? Do we look alike? Do you yeah, think, do you yeah, think there we look is similar? a resemblance? Is yeah. there is there a white guy resemblance? There between, is. There yeah. is a resemblance. Yeah, you he, should have Aaron in on here. He, I would love to have him very on. Fun. Yeah. yeah, he's amazing. I mean, the show. It's I, th- there's a new. I keep saying there's a golden age of television right now, and there's so many wonderful shows on. But but Breaking Bad is just one of those shows where. In one minute, there, there's something a little quirky that happens. In the next minute, you're like, holy fuck. Like, yeah. you can't, yeah. you're just like gripping onto your fucking chair. I think five years ago, when this was pitched, would be the earliest time that a show like this would have been conceived. Right. And, and accepted. You look 10 years ago, they, in, in fact, I, I got to give credit to our, to our studio, Sony, who, when our, our television pr- uh, presidents, our co presidents, brought this. To their chairman, and the three of them brought it in to the chairman of Sony International, and they said, here's what we'd like to do. And he said, this has got to be the worst idea (laughs) for a television show ever, ever. But because you guys believe in it so much, I'm going to let you do it. Go Go ahead and make it. Wow. I don't get it, but I know that you get it. That's a smart executive. Why aren't there more executives like that? Yeah. Michael Linton. That's Did awesome. That. He said that. But the, and the AMC people who I've I've worked with before, they they're pretty fucking sharp. Like they, yeah. I think you know a, any other channel would have made fifty Mad Men's after Mad Men yeah. came out. But they'll like leave club. that up. Yeah, they'll leave that up to CBS. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like this is the season where every every network was like, oh no, Mad Men. Let's all make a yeah. Mad Men. Yeah, the Playboy Club, the Playboy the, Club, yeah. Pan Am. The, yes, Pan Am. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, I like the aesthetic and everything, but like, eh, you know, but that's like all they're taking from it. Ah, <laughs> yes, retro. Uh-huh. retro. You know, but but to have a channel that has, uh, you know, uh, Mad Men and, and Walking Dead and Breaking Bad and, and Jurassic and, Park and on Ru- all the Rubicon time. That's true. And yeah. 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 HD, yeah. no less. <laughs> Jurassic Park probably pays a lot of bills for them. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, great. I watched it the last time I was on AMC. It was on last night. Clever girl. Yeah. 
I saw a girl. I saw a girl with a T-shirt that had a little uh, a little dinosaur on it with a Rubik's cube, and it said "Clever Girl" in the Jurassic Park font. Clever girl. Um, Hey, you're in Rock of Ages. Yeah, I did Rock of Ages in L.A. when it started. Oh no, kidding! And then I couldn't go to New York and do it because I was working in L.A. And then it became a big movie, and I'm still weirded out by it because to me it's just this little thing that we were doing in a rock club in L.A. for you know a year. Yeah. So how was the experience? It was great. I uh, got I they they've changed it somewhat from the stage play. Mm-hmm. So uh, I am the mayor of Los Angeles. Yes, yes. And uh, Catherine Zeta Jones is my wife. Jesus Christ! I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like yeah. she's. Beautiful. Yeah. She's like really stunning to look at. Were there moments where you were just staring at her and they were like, Brian, that's uh, your line, Brian? Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> Try uh, my dick grapes. Catherine, you want to see the dick? I have dick grapes here. Oh, You're that's like, funny because like I have Catherine Zeta Jones pussy jelly. <laughs> what? Whoa. We have to get together. <laughs> we'll put it in the same jar like goobers. But it's grapes and jelly together. <laughs> I mean, if only Catherine <laughs> had pussy peanut butter, yeah. <laughs> it would be better. <laughs> we better mix. Catherine Zeta Jones pussy butter. Catherine Zeta Jones pussy butter. Guys, why are we not making this? Oh, because we can't. We don't own her name. So how, how was how was? It? I'm stepping away from all this. <laughs> stepping away. Oh God. Yeah, uh, it was it was great, and I got to sing and um, hit me with your best shot. Yep. And, uh, you know, this beautiful young girl that I'm making out with is pulling down my pants and spanking me. I with thought a- you were married to Catherine Zeta-Jones in it. I don't understand. This was the 80s, oh, man. This what? takes place in the no. 80s. Everybody's swinging, baby. Yeah. It's fucking Sunset Strip, dude. Right. Okay. It's key parties. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Key parties and blizzards of coke raining yeah. down on the exactly. Sunset Strip. Glam rock, that. big hair. Yeah. That yeah, was fun. It was a lot of fun. And uh, Adam Shankman is the director, and he's... Terrific. You, prob- you probably see some uh, clips online. Yeah. Uh, Tom Cruise plays uh, Nicky Jax. Stacy Jax. Stacy Jax. That was the part I played. Did you play? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a great role. Yeah, they took a step up in the film version. With, uh, <laughs> but Stacey a step down Jax. in height. Tom Cruise. A ste- <laughs> he's, uh, he's good. Yeah. He's totally and completely committed to this character. He's really I've seen the pictures. Awesome. He looks awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's, he, he's in fucking insane shape. Yes. That guy. Yeah. yeah. That first that pr- first promo still of him with the shirt off yeah. and the hair. I mean, like he's got the body of like a twenty five year old. He's fifty. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah he is fifty, 50. but he, he looks he looks amazing. Crazy. A lot of dedication. Unbelievable. His his amount of, of uh dedication is is it, it cannot be matched. I have never seen anyone who comes with as much work ethic as him. Yeah. He finishes a scene and he's sweating and he sits in a in, in on a stool. Uh, like a like a prize fighter between rounds, <laughs> and he's getting mopped and dried off by makeup and hair and wardrobe, and they're fixing things, and he's going, notes, notes, bring him, <laughs> oh wow, bring him, you know, to the choreographer, to the director, to the the guy who's watching the lip sync, to the hey, come on, bring him. It's all his own voice, but then we lip sync it, of course. Yeah, of course. And so I mean, it's like let's go again, let's go again, let's go again. So he's just you cannot be lazy around Tom Cruise. Yeah, he's. He's a really that's unbelievable. Why, that's why I wasn't in dedicated. Top Gun. You were not. That, that's why you weren't in Top Gun. Yeah, I was almost there. Like he's too lazy. Yeah. yeah. Also, you were like four. Yeah, but yeah. I could have flown a plane. Oh, Top Gun. What's that child doing in that cockpit? <laughs> I don't Mini know. Maverick. <laughs> Tiny Maverick. <laughs> oh, I would love to see like a 
I would love to see like a like a, a dwarf version of Top Gun. I would just love to see with his buddy Gosling. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the Ryan Gosling breaking up the fight video? No, I haven't no, seen that yet. I didn't see that. It's there's these two guys that are fighting over something in a street, and this statuesque. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I had no idea how cut that guy is. He's he just really he cut. Steps in and just like puts a hand on one guy, and he's like, "Well, let's just talk about this," you know. And and they and and he charms his he charms the fight away. With yeah. his Ryan Gosling esque, uh, Gosling talent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that old Gosling talent. That old Gosling talent. <laughs> Get a, in the show. He, uh, He's got. I did a movie with him, and yeah. it's coming out next month. Oh, that's Whoa, awesome. Drive. Yeah, Drive. Which looks insane. I've heard amazing things about it Drive. It looks incredible. Drive is a ride. I'm telling you. It <laughs> is. Well, this interview's over. <laughs> no, no, get back here. It's, it's a pretty awesome movie. It's it looks really amazing. Awesome. It yeah. looks like, uh, you know, like the art house's action movie. Yeah, it's and, and it it was shot conventionally. I mean, it was the this we it was it's terrific because we, we had a great uh, experience. Nicholas Reffin is the director, and he got uh, Ryan with me, with Carrie, with uh, Ron Perlman, and Albert Brooks, and we're in his living room, and we're pitching out ideas from what. Each individual had. I said, "Well, I'm thinking this, and I'm thinking," and we're writing, and 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 it was in the script. The things that we were pitching out ended up in the script because he wanted that collaboration, and everybody's like on board, and it made you feel really terrific. Not just a hired gun actor, but yeah. actually part of a creative of process. The creative process. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. It's really cool. Kind of sounds like he didn't want to write the movie himself. <laughs> kind of. I didn't. don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's everything about like the trailer is beautiful, and even like the the poster art. It's just like it's like that's a fucking good looking poster. Yeah. Everything about the yeah. movie looks amazing. When does that it's, open? It opens on the sixteenth of September. It is very cool. You got to see that. Yeah. I've been seeing Drive. the posters for it. It looks good. What yeah. that, that guy? What else did he direct? Other kind of visually. Bronson. That's right. He directed Bronson and Valhalla Rising. Yep. The guy is. Have you seen either of those movies? No. They're nuts. Bronson yeah. and both Valhalla Rising, I think, are both on Netflix since to watch. Um, and they're just like, they just, you just watch them. Sometimes you don't even know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, but you're just entranced, just like you need to see what the shots are, what, how beautiful yeah. it is. Everything is like a painting. Nicholas Reffin. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's really, really cool guy. And very, like I said, very collaborative, very giving and warm give and take. And, and he, he wants to hire the people and let them go and do what they want to do because that ultimately they're going to feel comfortable if they're right. in that character. You know, so it was. A fantastic experience. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Now you're, you're now you're at a place where I imagine people are offering you stuff like Drive, and you know you, you probably get a lot of scripts that come in. People are always asking you to do stuff. <clears throat> is it uh, is it is it nerve wracking at all when you can pick pretty much anything you want to do about picking the right thing? Or do you, I mean, it seems like you you have a pretty good <laughs> it seems like you have a pretty good eye for stuff. Well, the the, the main thing is to only pick uh, projects that are well written. Mm-hmm. That's the key. That's the common denominator. Don't pick anything that is not well written. So look for misspellings, grammatical errors. Exactly right. Yeah. Your Y O U R, where Y O U apostrophe R E should be. Mispunctuation, <laughs> things like that. Get rid of it all. Um, uh, no, I mean, there, there's a lot that comes in. And, oh, this is a big blockbuster movie, and this is, oh, there's a lot, and they, yeah, there's a big role, and, uh, and you read it, and you go, I don't get it. Mm hmm. And there, there are a few that I just didn't get, and on, and so I have to pass on it because not only do you not get it, but I wouldn't know really what to do with that role if you're not responding to it when you read it. Yeah. So, 
Um, but there's there's a lot to go around. I'm I'm in Contagion as well. That's oh yeah, coming that out, looks great. Uh, yeah. In a couple of weeks, which what is... aren't you in in September? <laughs> <laughs> Brian Cranston month at the Grove. Come on by, get some free Brian Cranston's dick grapes. <laughs> See Contagion Drive. Yeah, it's it's and that's a good that's a really scary film as well. That's yeah. it's a it's a fun and Steven Soderbergh who directed that is uh, just a terrific guy and. We were we were working in Chicago in my segment of Contagion, and we'd work about ten hours a day, no more than that, which is a luxury to anybody in our business. And then we'd go back to the hotel, and he'd say, you know, we'd all he'd, he'd say, come on down to the to the bar, and we'd go to the bar, and there was a sectioned off area of the bar of the Four Seasons, and and he'd be you know, or we'd order wine and we'd order something to eat, some sushi, get whatever you want. And he'd have his laptop down there, and and he's do, he's typing away. And I go, Stephen, what are you doing? He goes, I'm cutting. I go, what, are you, what, are you, what are you cutting? He's cutting the movie in the bar of the hotel. I thought on his laptop. I thought he was writing invoices for all of you. Yeah, yeah. What did you have? What did you? Yeah, we'll take that. What kind? Oh, dick grapes. I didn't order that. Complimentary with. No, no, no. I'm sorry. This is Brian Cranston's dick wine. It was fermented. That's right. Brian Cranston's dick grapes. The dick wine. Excellent. Um. Do you? So do you? When when you go on to a set and you work you work with these guys you know like people like Soderbergh or just other actors are do you feel like a sponge are you just do, do you do you still feel like you're learning stuff at Always. this point in your career? Always, um, yeah. I mean, because as an actor is in a certain age category, that's you'll get roles that are appropriate for that age. When I was your age, that's what I was doing, a college age things or whatever. And then you oh the dad or you're doing dad stuff and dad ages and oh now I I'm old enough to be a grandfather. And so you're, you're, you're looking at different things and, and different approaches. You're watching actors differently than you saw them as when you were a kid. Um, and the, the actor's job is observation. And so what I tell young actors, I say, shame on you. If you're ever bored, actors should never be bored. There's always work to do mm-hmm. watching and, and studying human behavior. And you file it away and at some point during your career, you'll be able to go, oh, I know what I can do with that. Something that is appropriate and yet interesting and different. Oh, yeah, that's that's because it seems like most people just want to be famous. And so there's no, you know, when they're on set, there's no you don't really feel a sense of craft. It's just like, yeah, I got to yeah. do this thing. I'm going to go uh, figure some chick I, in the trailer. Uh, right. I really like the way you play Buzz Aldrin in From the Earth to the Moon. I was oh, going to bring that up. Like, Matt is a I, huge NASA nerd. Oh, cool. Thanks, But man. I like it because there's a little something back there in your head of like... Talking to the microphone, Matt. Jealousy of not getting on the moon first. And then like, you're yeah. like I was like, oh, this is really good. <laughs> it was a fantastic... Uh, it was just it was a fun experience. I was actually... How that came about, I, I, I've known Tom... Uh, Hanks, who is, was the executive producer of the show, and I was working on a sitcom at the time called Pearl, I believe it was. I was just a hired hand for the guest, mm-hmm. guest of the week, and it was with Malcolm McDowell, uh, Rhea Perlman, Malcolm McDowell, and a few other people, and um, and I was playing this this very very effeminate uh, <laughs> guy who was like Isaac Mizrahi. <laughs> You know, it's like that's flittering around the stage. And uh, there was a call on a fr- on that Friday night when we were taping, and there was a call came in. Oh, my God. Well, Tom Hanks is on the phone. Tom Hanks is on the phone. What? what? He wants to talk to you. Tom Hanks wants to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> don't hang up on him. Don't hang up on him. And I go, hey, hey, Tom, how are you? Good, man. He said, 
Good, man. How are you? Good, 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 good. I'm working on the. Oh, say hi. Uh, are you still thin? And I said, <laughs> and I said, yeah. I, I haven't seen him in a while. I go, yeah, yeah. He goes, good. Can you can you be in Orlando on Monday morning? And I said, yes, I can. Yes, because this job was ending. I said, yeah, I can. He goes, okay, great. I just need to get that word out, and they'll send you the stuff. And they go, Dom, Dom, Dom. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What? What am I doing? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You're going to play Buzz Aldrin in front of the rest of the month. Oh, oh, just that. And I'm stunned. And I go, you there? I go, yeah. I, I uh, Okay, yeah. Buzz Aldrin, yeah. Gee, can, can, can you ask them, please request to send me research material right away to the house so I can study it on the plane? And, you know, okay, you're going to start Monday morning. Okay, i got to get on a plane tomorrow morning. And, okay, fine. Thank you. Good. And hung up. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Back to work. And then it bleeds over and from the earth to the moon. We're like, let's yeah. go to the moon. Go to the no. moon. Cut, Brian. Again, you know, Buzz no. Aldrin's not really, he wasn't really flamboyant Last in that off. way. Got it. So who's getting out first? <laughs> I already did. <laughs> that is so, I mean, what an amazing, what an amazing experience. And, and, and I, I mean, you've known, you've known, to, I guess to me, to you, getting a call from Tom Hanks is different than if I were to get a call from Tom Hanks, where I probably wouldn't be able to. But you guys have been, sounds like you've been friends for a while. Yeah, he's um, he's been very kind to me. I was in his movie, Larry Crown, mm-hmm. that uh, that just came out th- earlier this year, and had a blast. And I was uh, Julia Roberts' husband in that one. Wow! Yeah! What the? What the? That's awesome! Yeah. Couldn't push that to September? Come on. Pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Cranston in, month. Pack it in. How, how have you felt about, uh, um, you know, it was you said something kind of struck me interesting. You were talking about, you know, different age groups as you go through your career. Is any, is any of that weird? I, I feel like I'm kind of getting to a point in my life where I'd never noticed my age before, and now I'm starting to be aware of it. And I'm, I don't know, are, are you comfortable with, with aging or do, would you ever feel weird about it? Um, no, I'm, I am very comfortable with it. Uh, you have to embrace that because when you look at my face and the, the amount of crag on it, you know, I, I look like a Sharpay no. at, at this stage <laughs> in my life. Back in the, in the 70s when I was in high school, um, there was no sunscreen there. And I rode motorcycles and I'm out and you're just, you get baked and you, you know, you, there's nothing. And so this is what, <laughs> this should be a lesson. I should be on a poster. Don't let this happen to no, your No, you're, you're talking about, you're, you're a handsome guy. Like, you look like a dude, you know? It's, yeah, I'm a dude, all right. Yeah, you got a, you got a, good, you got a good dude vibe. <laughs> Even, well, the, you know, the thing is, the most important thing that any, any actor really could, could do is, is to correctly identify who you really are right. and what you do well. And and then go after that. And you look at, I read things and I go, I'm not right for that. I'm not right for that. No one is going to buy me as this, you know, wimpy guy. And so I, when I was talking about uh, Walter White in the beginning stages, that he wasn't wimpy. He was just, he, he lost his, his impulse. He lost his, his desire mm-hmm. to, to live and he was depressed. So that's different from being a wimpy kind right. of, you know, milk yeah. toasty kind of guy. He, he was a guy who shoved it down. Shoved it down. Yeah. He, well, he had he, all, all those different right. circumstances with the family and a special needs child and being a teacher right. and not, and being on a teacher's salary. And so it's, yeah, I, I never I never got the sense like, yeah. oh, that guy's a pussy. It's just like, he's just a guy just who just life guy. happened to him. Yeah, and, it was yeah. the first or second episode where like the kids, those kids are making fun of his kid. And then you like run. He, it's almost right. like you leave the store to just like get like pump it up because it's like it's been a while. I have to bring it up to come in and then just kick some ass, kick some high schoolers ass. Kick some high school ass. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, well that is a great moment. It is, there, is, there is something that, that is very uh, attractive and seductive about intimidation for a man. Any, any person who, has, I mean, who can intimidate someone else, that is w- when the chest goes out and mm-hmm. then you start. I mean, it is very intimidating. It's not what you want to do in our society to go around intimidating people. You won't be employed long. <laughs> it's like, come on, we can't have that. But for Walter White in his condition now, that was a, a real eye-opener for him, that yeah. he can intimidate someone who he's, he's never been able to do that in his entire adult life. I mean, I want to, you know, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to talk too much about the show because what tends to happen with our podcast is um, people like like to watch series as a whole. Yeah. And so we, we get complaints a lot from people like, spoiler alert, why didn't you tell me you were talking about that in the show? So because, you know, because Breaking Bad is so current, you're in the fourth season right now, I'm just, I, I, I do want to delve more into it, but I'm just a little hesitant. Sorry, listeners, Buzz landed on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what right. the fuck? Come on, man. Some people didn't why even would see you that say yet. That? Sorry. Fucking ruined it. So, you know, I might talk more about process and how you approach the approach the character. And I just I what's fascinating to me is going from a character like Hal and going from a show that has a, you know, a, I mean, Malcolm was a very kind of surreal vibe to it uh, in a we- in a weird sort of even though it was like this is the typical American family sort of. There was a very surreal just in the way it was directed and the way it was presented. And so, you know, how, how do you approach how do you approach Hal versus Walter or any job? It just seems like a case by case basis. You build a universe. You build a universe. That's, that's exactly right. The one thing that I look for in any character that I do is to is to find the emotional core mm-hmm. of any character. So with Hal from Malcolm in the Middle, uh, it became easy because it was kind of on the page there. And it was fear. He was afraid of everything. He was afraid of being a bad husband, a bad uh, father, losing his job, afraid of heights, afraid of bees, <laughs> afraid of the, you know, he was afraid. And so a lot of comedy can, can come off of that. But that was a very real emotion, is that we know people who, who can be fearful. Mm-hmm. And so that was his core. He was afraid of everything. And... Um, and and with Walter White on Breaking Bad, I had a hard time finding who that guy was. And and I, I, I researched and researched and trying to figure out and uh, many nights uh, of not sleeping to try to go, where, what is his emotional core? I can't find it. And then I realized why. It's because he he was so depressed at the beginning of our series that his whole emotional core has been calloused over. He hasn't allowed a true emotion to bubble up to the surface in years because of depression. Mm-hmm. And that's what people do. There's, there's what I've discovered in, in playing it in the beginning stages, people either who are depressed, either go inward or outward. The inward is the way Walter White went. Mm-hmm. He became invisible. He went to seed. He became a little chubby. He didn't, he didn't want, he, bec- he wore clothes that would, Blend into the wall, which is all by design, by the way. Wow. And so he he was insignificant as a human being. Or the people who are depressed go the out, other way. They go outwardly. That son of a bitch, he screwed me out of my, you know, that he messed me up. If it wasn't for my ex-wife, uh, you know, that, that guy took my job. And, you know, you, you go out and you blame others for where you are. I know one or a hundred of those types of yeah. people. <laughs> and it's really, I mean, in the broad strokes, it's really... One way or the other. Wow, that's uh, I'd never I'd never really thought of it that way. But but what's interesting about that is that 
it's but I re- I really get a sense now that on a on a production something that makes a show I'm it surprises me that any good shows ever get made just because of the process is so so many things have to come together between direction and lighting yeah. and cinematography and music and acting and and network stuff yeah. um, but you know it sounds like with the Malcolm team and with the Breaking Bad team it feels like you guys worked pretty pretty much as a team to, to sort of develop these characters. And I'm sure as you were bringing the fear out of Hal or the depression out of Walter, the writers must have, you, that must, they must have, that must have informed the direction that they took the characters. It does. It does. What it, it feeds each other. You're a symbiotic relationship. So once they were seeing what Hal was doing on Malcolm in the middle, they, they, ah, I can write for that. Yeah. I, I, there's a lot to write for that. Yeah. And so they started feeding that beast yeah, you know, and that's that's good as an actor. You don't want to go in and just do what's on the page. That's boring. Yeah. You want to be able to bring a specific tone to it, a specific point of view. Yeah. And therefore it helps the actor ground him or herself in the work. So the the better the writing, the easier it is for the actor. So it feeds you. It comes in as, oh, my God, that's rich. That's, oh, that's perfect, perfect. And you get something that you can hold on to. The hardest work I've ever had to do is on really terribly written material where you go, ah, oh, this just doesn't make sense. It's not plausible. How There's no character here. But if I try this, then this, this has to be rewritten. This, this other actor's character has to change, if I, which I think is a good, you know, then you have to open up and say, what if he's become, no, 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 we're, you know. No, just leave it, you know, so you ha- you're almost like an island having to create your own character that kind of lives in and of itself and may not have any relationship or any, it's, it's the hardest work ever, that. And then at that point, emotionally, you probably just have to let it go and be like, well, I just got to finish this job now. There's really nothing That's more true. I can do. Yeah, and you just let it go and you move on. And the, the UCB theater, which is, I do, we do yeah. a lot of comedy shows at UCB, they, they, w- w- in their improv training, they have this thing um, the basic concept of it is, you know, in any scene, it's how fast can you find the game, which is just that that seed, that thing that everyone can latch onto and then drive drive the scene forward. It sounds like that's pretty similar. Uh, well, it 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 well, that's that's for me personally as an actor, but yeah. you don't bring that to other actors because they work differently. So you don't say, "Hey, here's my emotional core. core. What are, what is yours?" It's like, "What? What are you talking about?" <laughs> it's not necessarily what they do, and certainly you're not going to take that to your showrunner and say, "Here's what we should do." And you know, right. but uh, I do when I'm when I had my hour and a half meeting with Vince Gilligan the first time we were talking about Breaking Bad, I did tell him all those things. I told him that he should have hair that always needs a haircut. He should have this impotent mustache. He should have these glasses because he's hiding from the world. It should show the. It should have a subliminal of, uh, impact that he's given up. Mm-hmm. He's just putting one foot in front of the other now. And until something breaks, this is who this man is. And there's a, there's a, a people can relate to that. I mean, I think we know people who who have that kind of condition. Well, and it's I I think. Something about the show that it, I think is one of the most compelling things is that in, in almost in any other, I think with most other actors and most most other directors, the show could get could have gotten silly, where it's like, oh, chemistry teacher becomes a meth dealer, you know. But the fact that um, it seems so deeply rooted in stuff that feels real that it doesn't 
you like you can relate in a way where you're like, I yeah, I I guess if that were my life and that were my those were my options, I I that's what what's happening do? is not not super cra- people do crazy things, you know. That's just humanity. Our show really asks those questions that have been asked at dinner tables for decades and decades. What would you do if you had a year and a half or two years to live? Mm-hmm. And what would you do for a million dollars? Yeah. And we answer both of those. And it's hypothetical to us here, but to those characters, Walter is living in that hypothetical. Yeah. It's, it, it ceases to be hypothetical to him. It's real. Yeah. He made those choices of what he would do if he had a year and a half to live, and he made that choice. What would you do for a million dollars? Would you kill another person for a million dollars if you knew you can get away with it? And that's where it gets kind of... That's where it gets really human and gray in the show is that he... You know, by most accounts, he has these sort of selfless, <clears throat> altruistic intentions. And I just, I love storytelling where the intentions are good, but where, where the lines of, of morality blur because it's like, oh, his intentions are good. He wants to help his family, but he has to do all this fucked up shit to do it. But is that okay? Is it okay to steal bread to feed your family, right. basically? The yes. beauty, the, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the beauty of that is that uh, Vince Gilligan painted this picture of to bring morality right to that line and then leave it and let everybody else decide if it's right or wrong. Every move that I make, some people are saying, oh, what is it? Some people hate hate uh, the Anna Gunn character, Skylar, my right, wife. Right. She's such a bitch. She's on your ass all the time. And I go, wait a minute. I've been lying to her. She's worried about me. She wants me to tell her, you know, the truth and she, you know, what's going on. And, and it's like that's why. Oh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it says a lot about a person. Yeah, her takes on it. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my god, that that's that that scene where she has the affair with the guy and she comes in the kitchen and you're trying to you're just hey, I'm just trying to make everything okay. And then she says, so, I, wait, wait. Oh, spoiler alert! Damn it! Ah, yeah. oh, shit! Come on, oh, that's, see, that's, this is, if the season's passed. Let's. Uh, I mean, the season. That season. Uh, you know, they'll forget it by then. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Go All right. You know, I'll put. A, I'll put a little mm. disclaimer in the in the thing that just says there are a couple of spoilers yeah. here and there. I. Uh, but I w- just that scene where she just says, and yeah. and they and they they dropped it out of the like they dropped the word out, but she, I can't remember the character's name. She says, "I fucked Ted." Uh, Ted. Ted. Yeah. I fucked Ted. Just that. Just that moment. Hey, it's rain. Hey, rain. Hey. <laughs> Rain. Rain Wilson. Rain. Wait, wait. Rain. Hang Go get me room. coffee. <laughs> rain. Get me some coffee. Can I come in for a sec? Hey, Matt. Go, go, go bring Rain in. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, uh, he was just out panhandling, and yeah, is funny. Do you guys have some he, change? And there's a superhero right behind oh, him. Oh, that's the what's the, that's what that guy? That? That's that guy. That's the, the superhero. Uh, Phoenix Jones, you guys. That's the superhero guy. That's oh, very that good. superhero. <laughs> Fuck yourself in the face, Jonah. <laughs> That's my favorite comic book, superhero. Superhero. Uh, what should we call him, though? Yeah, no, superhero. But what's his name? Super superhero. Superhero. Okay, we got that. But Say what are we gonna call him? Superhero. I don't understand you know why this strong, is confusing to you guys. He's not too strong. People like simple kind of. concepts. <laughs> superhero. What's the problem? Well, what kind of hero? A superhero. Phoenix Jones. Yeah. Oh, here comes. Also, Rain. knock knock something out of his hand when he gets in here. Okay, knock something. How Matt's got to bring water you know back. Oh, here, the, I think the superhero is coming with him. Jesus Christ! That's the guy. A... That's like, isn't that the guy who does like the street vigilante stuff? Oh, is it that guy? Well, shouldn't he be arrested then? Oh God, you guys! Yeah, this is a sting operation. <sighs> you should uh, knock the grappling hook out of. <laughs> hey Jonah, would you mind hopping over to this mic so we can stick rain on? Yeah, yeah, of course. On this mic. Wow. Yeah. What? A, what a fun. Uh, that's exciting. Yeah, rain's a rain's a sweetheart. 
He's a nice guy. Did you work? Have you worked with him before? I've never worked with him. No, I did. A, I, I don't particularly like him. Oh shit! I no. should not bring him in. Then what a piece of shit! Yeah, fuck that guy. Seriously, it was easy when he was on the other side of the glass, but seriously, fuck him. Yeah, that's where all you know people you, you don't care about should be on the other side. Oh, of the I'm glass. a talented actor who picks a lot of good things to work on and does them expertly. And that's why Breaking Bad is a far superior show than The Office. No, no, wait, he's right so, there, Brian. Oh, oh, Bam! Oh. oh my God! I need a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> that, this mic over here is with gonna miss Mike Rain Wilson. Hey, good man. What a fun. Good to see you. Uh, Rain. I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to like crash the the party here. No, no. It, I can't Rain, tell you what a refreshing thing it is. Like you see fucking Kardashians coming into this building all, all the right. time, and you feel your Ooh. soul die every time. But 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 you. Come in here and you. Hello, thank you very much. Oh, protect me with the shield. Thank you so much. Oh, this is for rain. But you know, but to see you walk in the building, like, oh, there's still yeah. some good in the world. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I made your soul flutter, didn't I? <laughs> Just a little bit. Your soul, your soul got a little chubby. Love your. Uh, it's. A, I call it a plumpy. If that's oh, all right. Plumpy. I call it a plumpy. Um, this is like my favorite actor in the universe. You guys. Have you guys? You guys know each other? You know well, each other. We've met. You we've know, met at the award, doing the award show dance. I'm like, oh, hello. Hello. Yeah, yeah good to see. Hello, Is there anything I like the Super Bowl Shuffle? How are you guys doing? Nice, yeah, to, see you. See nice you to see you. You know, when I did the Nerdist podcast, I think you had um, <laughs> you had a cassette tape recorder on your yep. kitchen table. That's right. And now you're in a real fucking radio station. What's going on? You I mean, helped us like, tip it. You helped the show tip, yeah. and now These we have a facility. Microphones. These They're are, more than necessary. Yeah. <laughs> they were modeled after my uh, dick grapes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> Um, I've been watching the show. It's so magnificent. Thanks, and, uh, You know, I've just, I always tweet about Breaking Bad as the best show on TV. And, oh, and everyone at the office always talks about it. And, and the office would gladly, everyone in the office would say, oh, yeah, Breaking Bad is a way better show than you the You know what's funny about what you're saying right now is most people, when they say everyone at the office, they just mean their place of work. You right, mean right. the show, The Office. I mean the show, The Office. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. your office. <laughs> yeah. But what do you do? Why are you here? You're not a nerd. <laughs> I'm just a you're nerd cool. wannabe. No, like Chris was saying, you're a dude. You're, yeah, you Cranston's a dude. Do you like shoot guns and work out? And what do you, what do you what do you do? Yeah, I ride motorcycles, and you know, I this we're not talking about the elephant in the room here. By the I way, I know, I know. And come I, on, I'm, we have to. Are are you well, the actual guy, the the vigilante guy? Yeah, this is. Uh, I prefer superhero vigilantes league. Oh well, my god! Yeah. Yeah. this is um, this is Phoenix Jones. Yeah, uh, he is a, a real life superhero from the city of Seattle, Washington. I've seen many of your your videos online. It's a it's an honor to meet you. Hey, we're we are pitching uh, a TV show uh, about Phoenix and going around the town and doing that. And um, if, for you viewers, uh, for you listeners, right now, he's in this a. Kevlar vest uh, and a rubber suit that's black and gold, uh, a cowl uh, mask. He's got a taser, um, uh, weapons belt, and uh, uh, high-grade uh, body armor on everywhere. And a huge cod piece. <laughs> Gigantic cod piece. <laughs> but I think most of the people who listen to this podcast are well, are well aware of Phoenix Jones uh, and the work you've been doing. I'm actually going to Seattle this weekend. Oh, really? Are you going, going this weekend? Yeah, for PAX, for the um, Penny Arcade Expo. You should come out with us. What? I would love to. Are you kidding me? I've got, I've got an extra bulletproof vest, and i got a mask. Why oh, you, you mean come, come out, out with, with you to fight crime? Most definitely. No, I'm a pussy. No, it doesn't you work that You should go fight crime with Dude, him. Dude, you should come fight crime with me. Do you, you ever fight pussy? Because <laughs> <laughs> then he'd be good to bring along. You know, this, is, this, is a totally, this is totally ridiculous. First off, my wife fights crime, and she just recently beat me in a pull-up contest. Oh, so shit. I don't think I'd want to mess with her, but... There's women that go around Seattle with the goal of trying to find out my secret identity or tempt me into sleeping with them. 
It's really ridiculous. Oh, they caught, I hate when that happens. But you could, the cod is removable, so you don't you know even keep the cod. It's flappable. You you know know oh, they, shit. Just yeah. in case, I got to go to the bathroom. They, they call those women, they call them cape chasers. Cape chasers. <laughs> yeah. Are you enjoying my bulletproof riot shield over there? I do I do enjoy your riot shield. This is this is actually kind of a heavy piece to carry around all day. Well, it well, stops bullets. Criminals yeah. started carrying axes in it's, my city and shotguns, so I decided that... Who the fuck carries an axe? Legal in Seattle, open carry. Kids in Seattle, little meth kids. Yeah. Since I am not of this ilk, I'm the motorcycle Writing, dude. Yeah, uh, I think we've just it, been outdooted by I don't, a superhero. I, I no, I don't know. I don't know your your history. Can someone explain Phoenix, how this all? Phoenix came uh, basically took it upon himself to fight crime as as a citizen superhero in the streets of Seattle, and has been doing that. And you know, like like basically just going out. And Rain uh, did the movie Super. Which mm-hmm. right. which was amazing. That movie fucked me up a lot. Yeah, it'll do that. Uh, <laughs> like your movie is the you're like, oh, this is a cute quirky movie. No, it's Jesus not. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's one of the darkest, most. It's a it's a really evil work of cinema, especially yeah. with the opening that animated piece that yeah. Cuny did in the opening. It starts very funny, and you think it's a comedy, and then it starts to turn, and it gets weirder and sicker and yeah. darker as it goes. Yeah. So ba- basically, that's what that's what Phoenix kind of like Breaking well, he Bad. Went, he went too far yeah. with his, but that's kind of the idea. Like my life was kind of funny like that too, and then all of a sudden I got shot, and I was like, hmm. Well. <laughs> That was not what I saw coming. What did that feel like? You know what's funny about getting shot? Nothing. There's no music. There's no women. Nothing. Really? It's just cold. There yeah. should be there should be an app on your phone that when you get shot, it goes plays like music. music plays. I agree. <laughs> when I get famous, that's what I'm doing. Getting the iPhone I got shot app. Yeah. You know, they got T Pain app. Why can't I get a Phoenix Jones I got shot app? Yeah. <laughs> he, got, he got shot fighting crime. So you really fight crime. You you seek out the, the criminals of the on the street and you you stop them from what they're doing. Yeah, 30, uh, 30 or so criminals down, about 150 pages of police reports. Uh, we'll leave you with, a, we got a little DVD of some cool crime fighting stuff. We'll leave you with a little DVD. So I take it that you, because you keep your identity secret, your name isn't really Phoenix. Really? <laughs> it's actually Phoenix, Phoenix Smith, but he changed it to Jones uh, to, to, throw, to throw people right. off. Well, the weird thing about having a secret identity, right, is that uh, <laughs> people know, like, the mask is supposed to cover your identity, but the mask is super famous. Uh, when I walk around the city, people are like, oh, my God, it's Phoenix Jones. Like, the regular guy, they don't really care. They're not that interested. Have you seen any Phoenix Jones knockoffs? Uh, there's a homeless dude in a cardboard box downtown that yells at other homeless dudes when they beg on his corner. He's yeah. Got, like a little Jones symbol on it. That's kind of funny. Oh, that's But really other funny. than that, nothing. Now, the, the superhero uh, uniform that you, that you wear, did you make this up yourself? or uh, Extreme Design FX made the suit. Uh, I made the name and the, I drew the symbols that I wanted on the suit, but I had I was limited by what to, I could put bulletproofing under, you know. Phyllis yeah. Brian. Oh yeah, the gloves. You take, can't get them off. And off. and these are special. So gloves. Do, do these? Does this have any protective nature yeah, there's to a it? Kevlar like the, vest under. It's a Kevlar vest. Okay. It's dragon skin. And did you always wear that when you were shot? Then it that it did. It Holy miss shit. your Kevlar vest or did? Oh no! It, He's it got punched gloves. me straight into Kevlar. The, gl- right, the gloves uh, are full right of sand or something. Yeah. And, uh, wow. took They're the punching gloves. So I just rolled oh, into a garbage awesome. can and collected myself, uh, and then you know got out of there. What's going through your mind when you get shot? Do you like? Yeah, I figured this would probably happen. Or. It's sort of a realism to actually try to figure out whether you got shot or not, what really happened. Because I didn't see the shooter. You know, most of the times I come on guns I see, I normally win or at least don't get shot. You yeah. know, uh, last time I saw a gun pulled on me, I, I ended up with my nose broken, but I still wasn't shot. Yeah. So um, this one, I was just walking an alleyway, and all of a sudden I'm on my back, and it, the rain is getting in my eyes because it was raining in Seattle, and I can't breathe. And the only thing I'm thinking is, okay, roll under this dumpster and figure out what's going on. So I just rolled under this dumpster and laid there. And when I finally realized, hey, I got, I've been shot, um, 
it had been you know five or six minutes and I was more more collected. So I called nine one one. Then when they answered, I hung up because I realized I'm not going to call and say I'm a superhero and I got shot and I need help. Right. So then, so then I, I drove home and just took the suit off and my wife convinced me to go to the hospital and uh, I had a broken rib and uh, some bruising, but I was fine. <laughs> Jesus. Is, uh, is there good money in being a superhero? I've made $17 so far. Oh my gosh. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's why you're, so you're going to, so Rain's going to produce a show for you and then you can actually capitalize a I'm little. I'm not going to pay him. I'm going to keep all the money. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. people have offered me money I mean, and I've been, I've been given money from, you know, different things, but I've donated most of it. Yeah. Uh, we're almost through a, building a water well in Africa with generosity water. Uh, you know, uh, we have union gospel mission. I donated a lot of the money. If I wanted to be rich, I would have just, you know, I'm a professional fighter in my day job. I make enough money. I don't really need, uh, you know, I don't really need it. Wow. Yeah, he's badass. What a sweet guy. You know what, Brian? He is the one who knocks. <laughs> I'm the one who knocks. <laughs> Batman voice contest? Is, I told that was Breaking Bad last yeah. episode, which was fantastic. What are you doing right now, Rain? You're, you're shooting The Office right I, now? Yeah, I was shooting The Office. I got a week off, so I'm dicking around with these guys and doing my thing and blah, blah, blah. Rain yeah. Wilson. Do you ever shave when you're not making the office? I never <laughs> shave. Hey, but you know what? There's this thing. I'm being quote unquote honored at Universal City for mm-hmm. being in House of a Thousand Corpses when they open the oh, 3D yeah, yeah, House of a yeah, Thousand Corpses yeah. ride uh-huh. and Rob's gonna be there. Yeah. You should come to that thing. I but will. you're not being honored. No, you're no, just, no. I don't deserve to be honored. You really don't. Is that why you texted me the other day? No. Why did I text you the other day? You asked me for Rob's email. Oh, yeah, because I was going to ask him about it. I was like, is this something that I really should go to or something? And he's like, yeah, man, it's cool. You got to go. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to put you on the hook while we're on the line. I'm putting you on the hook. What? what? You're coming to Seattle. I want, I want a verbal commission that you're going to come out and at least fight a little crime with me. We'll just do a bar close. <laughs> fight a little crime. We'll just do a bar close. We'll just get the drunken bar Just do bar a shoplifting. Like uh, at a just do the drunken bar fights? Yeah, yeah. just the drunken What are you going to do? Throw me at someone? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'll put my fists out as I fly through the air. No. Yeah, just use me as a battering ram? Well, you look like a taser kind of guy. I think that's a good thing. About 50 <laughs> You're going to give away. me a taser? Absolutely. I don't, uh, don't want to tase people. You should, Neither do I. You should do the podcast while you're destroying <laughs> the street. Serious. <laughs> do a live podcast in gonna, Seattle. It's going to be a lot of this. Oh, they, they seem fine. They're fine. I'm going to sit in the car. I'm going to sit in the car. What about those jaywalkers? Let's tell them not to yeah, do that. Yeah, hey, guys, wait for the cross sign and then walk. All right, yeah, we're making the streets I will, safer. I'm going to hook you guys up. So all right, all right, some, all right. I'll, I'll, some magic happening I'll come out and, and uh, do something. But jet, You guys call it Rain City. It's the Emerald City. We used to call it Jet City. What, what does it go by now these days? You know, I, I call it Rain City. Caffeinated City. Caffeinated City. Caffeine city. city. Yep. Yep. Heroin Star- City. Starbucks City. Hipster or meth head. Yep. Um, call it Temple of the Dog. We're going to leave you guys to talk about Brian's inner nerd. And uh, <laughs> All right, before you do that, let's all yeah. get a picture okay. together, and I'll just cut this part out. I actually don't do photos. Oh, just kidding. I was going to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're all over the all fucking right. internet. Like Thanks, Nerdist. Let, let's, <laughs> let, we'll get a, a quick photo, and then Brian, will. Ra- we'll, we'll, we have a few minutes left in the interview with you. I have a couple more questions. Okay. and then Don't and commit the- crimes in Seattle, because I'm in, in uh, California. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get you. All right, so really, really quick. Do you, mind, do you mind sending him? I'm the guy for it, yeah. Oh, thank you so <laughs> He's much. He's a professional photographer. Peter is the organizer of the superhero movement. Like, oh, yeah, take his shield off. knows all awesome. the vigilante no? really? Really? superheroes, oh, real-life superheroes, all the rest of Oh, gotcha. Over. So, so we thought of... Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that way you can... Riffing before you came in about a superhero named Superhero. Oh, I don't like that. Were you talking about... be so far in advance. About Superhero? He's a real guy. There is one? Yeah. All right, here it is, guys. One more. One, I've got a blank. 
Awesome. Yeah, superheroes out of Florida. His name's Dale. <laughs> he drives around. He drives around in a what is it? A Corvette. So yeah. Nice with, with a helmet on. So nice to meet you. Nice to you as well. Rain Wilson. I'll text you like their info. All right. Good to see you. Thanks, Thanks for coming in. Thanks. Okay. Good meeting you. Good. So long, nerdists. So long, Rain Wilson. Take it easy. All right. See you later. All right. You wow. never know who's gonna drop by the Nerdist yeah, podcast. Charity guy. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. That's him. He does look like he's from Florida. Nice. Oh, this picture is awesome. Oh, my God. This picture is awesome. All right. I'm very excited about that picture. <laughs> so, before we were rudely back. interrupted, yeah. that was wow. fun. That's yeah. nice. Phoenix Jones, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of uh, videos on uh, on the YouTube's. All right. And if you did not have a studio with pane glass, clear glass, we wouldn't have seen that. We, we never would have would had that not moment. Have had that moment. That's like an old timey Johnny Carson walk on. Just yeah. Like right. when Don Rickles, Rickles would come here. over, yeah, yeah. Or Burt Reynolds. Hey, you hockey puck. <laughs> 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 what was that? There was that story where uh, Rickles like came across to do a walk on on Johnny's show, and like uh, he didn't time it right, so he came out. There was this whole thing, and then he. He left the studio, and he didn't realize it was all during a commercial break. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was that classic clip where Rickles had broken Johnny's cigarette case. Yes. And so Johnny goes over. Rickles was on this uh, yes. like submarine oh, show called Sharky. A, na- a Navy show, CPO Sharky. Yeah. A Navy show. And so... Uh, so yeah, Carson during his show just goes over in the middle of taping of their of their show yeah. and, yes. and fucks around <laughs> yeah. with them. Breaks a prop or two. Yeah. Oh man, those would have been such fun days uh, to to I be. Loved it. Um, all right. So just we have a few minutes left. I have a couple. I have a couple quick things that I want to ask you about. Number one is you probably don't have to audition for stuff anymore. But what what's what's your audition? What was your audition prep process? Because that's a whole different animal than actually when you're on a set and you're working and you're in the environment and you're it's so artificial and I always hate the process so much. So what's what's what was your take on it? Um, well, first of all, I I do still audition. You do? Depends on on what you want. If if there's a, a script out there that you read or a play that you go, oh my god, this is fantastic and I really want to do this. Uh, yeah, go go read for it. That's what you do. You're an actor. You you do your work. Um, if it if you don't have to read, it's better because then the odds are <laughs> are much much higher that you'll get that role. So if they say he doesn't have to read, he would just like to meet, then and they say it's not an audition, it's just a meeting. It's always an audition. Sure, you got to sure. go in there and have your ducks in a row and know exactly what you want to say and and build uh, confidence in that person that you're the guy for this role. Mm-hmm. Um. I always had this uh, this feeling that I would work on a on a scene to where I would imagine that I'm the thirtieth guy reading the same role coming into the room, and their hand is on their face, just like leaning, like yeah, next, thank you, good, come on in. And if I imagined that something I did would get them to take their hand off their face off their hand and just kind of pay attention. Then I've done my job. You've, you, it's just in increments. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you do is you want to find things that that are germane to the story. You can't veer off the text, but that you're seeing that may not have been seen before. Okay. So that means if you need to add a line, say a line. Add a line. I I I have respect for the writer, but not not to the point where it's like. You don't mess with a comma right. on any of this. It's no. To me, writing is a blueprint. 
and you honor the writing, but you can't live in the blue. You still have to build the house. Right. And so don't give it so much reverie that you don't grab onto something. And if that means adjusting, then adjust it. Because when you get on the set, that's what you're doing anyway. Yeah. That, that you might say, you know, this line always, but oh, cut it. Done. It's, you don't have to go through those angst of like, oh, but it's not that you got to say every word or, you know. No. Just adjust it to fit what you're going for. You know, most people in your position would refuse to audition for stuff. And I think that's sort of what kind of makes you kind of an actor's actor as opposed to like, I just want to be famous, you know, which is a, they're just different. They're just different paths. And it's uh, it's refreshing because I get weird. And even at the tiny place in my in my career, if, they, if people want me to audition for things, I'm like, I don't want to. But I think it's just more because I'm I, I, I fear that process a lot and I'm not as comfortable in the audition process because it's so artificial. But you don't have to. It doesn't have to be. And that's truly the actor's job. If the if if anyone if there's a takeaway from this, mm-hmm. know that your job is to create an interesting, compelling character and leave it in that room, and then walk away. When I leave an audition, and I've done this for twenty years, uh, I would take my script and I'd go back to my office and I'd throw it in a big basket, and I wouldn't think of it. I wouldn't think of it. I wouldn't tell people I'm up for this role. And I wouldn't <laughs> say anything because it's my business. Yeah. Um, and then I get a call from my agent saying, oh, yeah, hey, they want you to do that job, uh, such and such. And I go, which one? And I wouldn't remember. Which one was that? And I go, oh, that guy. Yeah, I like that guy. Oh, okay, let's start working on that again. Yeah. And it, it saves you. It's not about the ego. It's not about the end result. It's about the process of what you're doing and finding joy in that process. I love to act, so I don't particularly like the fame end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh the fame is interesting because that helps me to get other work. Sure. So I'm not, oh, I'm not going to, I would never say I'm a star. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to put that much energy out to that. Yeah. But it's not something I seek. I don't, I don't particularly enjoy being recognized or that sort of thing. Right. It's, I enjoy affecting an audience. Yeah. When you can say something and the audience gasps or hisses or laughs or whatever the correct emotion you want to convey well and also you know you're in a league where how many emmys have you won like six or something no three (laughs) you've won three yeah okay so but that puts you but go but going through those steps put you in places where you can be in environments where you can work with where Tom Hanks can call you and say, please come, yeah. you know, please come be Buzz Aldrin. Well, when it, when, it, when it came to Breaking Bad, when I read the pilot for Breaking Bad, it was the best drama pilot I had ever written, written read. And uh, I thought, I got to get in here right away because as soon as other actors read this, they're going to go after this mm-hmm. big time. And so I called my agent. I said, get me in this week. And they said, well, you're scheduled for next week. Nope, get me in this week, this week, got to be this week. And so they called and said, do you have any space? Can he come in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. So I got in there and I pitched away and I said, this is, you know, and told him and gave him all my energy and this is what I think. And I had a a leg up because I had worked with Vince Gilligan 10 years earlier on an X-Files episode that he remembered me from. And so he was thinking of me, not that this he's writing it for me, but he thought of me for this role um, when he was writing it. Oh, wow. So when you so that's that's the perfect confluence of you're already kind of in his head and you come in with a really solid take yes. on the character and that must have been like a gift to him 
How long was it before you found out? Or did he say right away, like, eh, I think you might be the right well, guy? Well, he wanted me to do the role, and I was grateful for that. But Sony and AMC were not so convinced because here's the guy, the goofy dad from Malcolm in the Middle, to go now and do Walter White and Breaking Bad. It doesn't seem to transfer, does yeah, it? Yeah, it's almost like you're an actor that can play different yeah. roles. <laughs> see, the people don't want that. They, they want to see the guy who's closest to that. But I don't think anyone will make that mistake with you anymore because now now that you have a body of work and all these different shows, I think they see you as like, oh, no, Cranston's like, util- you can stick him in anything and he's going to find it and, and make it work. Well, that's that takes a lot of work on my part to not repeat what I've done. And you mentioned something earlier about, God, um, M- Mad Men works so well, you'd think that AMC would just put a bunch of clones of Mad Men. Well, that would shoot themselves in the foot. Absolutely. Same thing with an actor. It, one, coming off of seven years of Malcolm in the Middle, the worst thing I could have done is taken a role as a goofy, fun dad mm-hmm. because I did that. It would be redundant. And so I had to turn away from it. And I'm fine with it because I'm not after the money. Yeah. I'm not after the fame. I, yep. That's it. That's to, that. Put that to bed. Now what else? Those are and those kinds of choices, and I think that's a, this is applicable to any kind of thing that people do, any sort of craft. You're talking about the difference between big picture, long-term choices and and short-term survival choices. And those short-term survival choices are, let's make 10 Mad Men's, let me take another role as a goofy dad. And the big picture is, no, 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 no. I want to have a sustainable career, yeah. and I need, to, I need to plan some things out and branch out and yeah. you know, like show that I can do this. Yeah, that was the whole design, yeah. What does it feel like, uh, and this will be, kind of be my last thing, and then we'll wrap it up, but uh, I've never really asked anyone, like, the, the being nominated for an Emmy the first time, and you go, and is it, you know, are you shitting your pants the whole time, or is it just sort of like, you know, are you cool with it, or what is that, what does that feel, what does any of that feel like? I did shat my pants, <laughs> uh, but fortunately I was wearing the adult diaper. Yes. So that worked out Everything well. worked out okay. It is. It's surreal. You you don't realize it's you, you're there in the auditorium. You're nominated. First, I've nominated a few times for Malcolm, mm-hmm. and uh, I never won, but that's okay. Uh, Lithgow. <laughs> it was uh, no. It was uh, um, uh, well. Brad Garrett won once. I think David Pierce won once, and uh, then Jeremy Piven. I think mm-hmm. was. I think it was that one. But um, anyway, but uh, it, it's you're invited to the party. It's like you were. The, the pretty girl asks you to dance, and yeah. it's like, wow, really? She home with you, but she asks you to dance. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, exactly. It's like, I'm here at the, you know, it's, it's fantastic. And if you of that mindset that I'm here to create, mm-hmm. that's all dessert. Yeah. All that stuff is dessert. Do you eat dessert every day? I don't. It's like, uh, uh, no, I'm fine. I'm good. I don't want any th- something sweet right now. I'm just, I'm fine. Uh, I don't, I don't need all that. I don't want all that. I'm, I turn the other way. I try to avoid, uh, attention because David Duchovny said something very interesting on a panel once. And it's very true. He says, we as actors are the observers, but if you get to be famous, all of a sudden you become the observed. Oh, wow. And therefore unable to observe. Because behavior changes. Yeah. When you, if you're observing people and they notice you watching, their behavior changes. Of course. So you, you, you lose out on that. Yeah. And if people are looking at you, you lose out on, it's like, oh, okay, everybody's here. And, okay, so, so much for observing people. Oh, that's almost like, there's almost like a weird quantum physics thing there about <laughs> it, like how you ruin the experiment when you observe it kind of a thing. And, you can't, yeah. and it happens to comedians as they get 
more famous is that they don't they just they're not living life the same way that people are anymore. So they're not going to be noticing regular normal things. Not so much. Yeah. But you get a you get an attaboy when you get up on stage. If you're famous, you get up on stage and they're already clapping for you and they're right. ready to, yeah. to you know, you get that little boost. Comedy credit. Yeah, a little <laughs> comedy street cred, right? Yeah. When you're up on the, when you when you, when they announce your name, they're like, Brian Cranston, and you get up on stage. Do you remember anything you're saying, or is it just like, uh, thank you, a bunch of people, and then with, what do I, yeah. what do I? Do? Well, I mean, when I'm doing talk shows and things, I do, you know, you you come out and you have an idea of what you want to do yeah. and things like that, and to entertain. Um, but when you're when that comes up, when it's <laughs> unexpected, when you don't know if you're going to go up, yeah, it is unreal. And I remember the first time my wife, during the commercial breaks, the, the guys, the cameramen, each, each um, uh, nominee has a camera person in front of them, obviously, to take their picture. Yeah. And so the, the camera with a guy, you know, wrangling the, the cords and things like that, and they're all dressed in black, and they're looking at a piece of paper, and that's him right there. That's right. Okay. And they got the, the camera on you. And my wife sees that, and her chest starts to heave, and her palms start to get sweaty. <laughs> and I'm trying to, con honey, it's not going to happen. There were seven episodes of Breaking Bad. It was, uh, it's, we're grateful to be here. <laughs> Just relax, because I'm not. She said, "Aren't you nervous?" I go, "No, I'm going to sit here." And as soon as they announce the name, I'm going to applaud for the guy who got the thing, and then you know that's it. I didn't write up speech. I did. It's like it's not going to happen. And then they say Brian Cranston. And that first millisecond, I go, I, wait a minute, I know. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I know and, you, and you go, oh, <laughs> and you kiss your wife and, you know, this screaming. And then you're going, oh, my God. And you're dizzy. Yeah. And you take a few steps toward the stage. And my thought was that first time I won was, oh, please, God, please, please just say one sentence that makes sense. Just one, just, you know, with a, a noun and a, and a verb maybe and an adjective, that would be great. If I can just put them all together and they actually make sense, that's all I care about. He ended and that sentence with a preposition. <laughs> no! Oh, no! Give back this Emmy! Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm walking up there. I see Kiefer Sutherland was the who, one who announced it when I first won. And I looked up at him, and he's probably 70 feet away because I was on the side uh -huh. that first time. Oh, put him on the side. He's not going <laughs> to. And I get up, and I'm thinking, oh, God. And I could feel my head kind of, I'm swooning. I'm just like in, a, in this, I'm moving, and I'm going toward this direction, but I don't know how. And I'm thinking, oh, my, every, a rush of thoughts come into your head that have absolutely nothing to do with where you are. <laughs> oh, I need to wash my car. <laughs> just put it. You know. I'd like to thank my car. No, yeah. that's not what I meant. And then, and then moments after I stepped onto the stage, I'm in front, and he's handing it to me. I thought, what happened to the 70 feet? The 70 feet just went zip, like you're in, you know, light speed wow. and uh and then i've got it then you turn there's four thousand people and four million people or 15 20 million people around the world i don't know and oh man and you're and you're holding this trophy and it's like oh it's beautiful and you're thinking oh okay uh uh, uh. and that's what i didn't want to do i didn't want to be ah uh, uh oh gosh oh man oh so i just think take a breath and then go and uh, and then sooner as, as soon as you start, there's a big teleprompter in the middle of the of the hall, and there's a person standing next to it pointing, and the teleprompter reads, "Wrap it up." Oh <laughs> fuck! Wrap it up, and it's like 
And just, you think, I just, I just got here. I just got here. <laughs> well, they count the walk and oh, all the things. Sucks. And it's like, wrap it up. And then it start, and then it goes red when they really mean it. So you're already shitting your pants. Yes. And then someone's standing over you going, faster, faster, faster. And, you and then faster. they're pointing like this. Don't fuck this. this up, faster. They're pointing on a rapid speed, yeah. pointing to it, and it's flashing wild gesticulation. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay, okay. You know, so it's a tremendous amount of pressure. Unexpected uh, it, as it was. Um, and so I knew that, God, if that ever happened again, I want to make sure that I have a, at least a thought in my head of what, what I'm going to do, you know, so. And it did. And, it, and, it did. and then at the end of the day, you have to put, <laughs> you got to put your Emmy away and go back to work as an actor and yeah, kind of forget about it, I would imagine. Put it right you, next to your Cranston dick grape. <laughs> hey, that's right. <laughs> Bringing it all back. Well, we, uh, we're at the end and we've dominated enough of your time, but this was wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on, Brian Cranston. Great, Chris. Thank you very I much. I mean, so much. And, and again, congratulations with the show and Drive. I can't wait to see in Contagion uh, coming out in September. And we'll put this up soon so that, you know, have enough time to, to promote all that. But, great. Uh, cool. It was really fun to reconnect with you. Thanks thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Let's do it again. All right. All right Enjoy guys. your burrito. No, wait. What did we say before? Uh, uh, embrace, embrace your it. tiny donkey. <laughs> <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by Hover.com. Hover is domain name registration and management that is simple. For 10% off your new domain, go to hover.com slash Nerdist. This episode was also brought to you by GoToMeeting. Meet easily with colleagues even when traveling or working remotely. For your free 30-day trial, visit gotomeeting.com and enter the promo code NERDIST.